You're listening to Demystifying Aged Care with Graham Maybury. Hello everyone, Graham Maybury with you again for another episode of Demystifying Aged Care. It's a podcast that explores the ageing journey and what really matters to you when it comes to living the most meaningful life you can into your later years. For some people, it might be illness or the family moves away or the community support is not there or your mobility declines. And that can be the catalyst for deciding that the time has come to move into an aged care facility. It's a huge decision. It can cause anxiety. It can cause trepidation. How do you know when the time is right to make the move? And when you do, are you saying goodbye to your independence, to your privacy? The old-fashioned stereotype of the nursing home is burned into most of our brains. Is it accurate? Have things really changed? In this episode, we're out to bust the myths and get an insider's view on how life changes when you move in and your home that used to be yours, you now share with a lot of other people. With the Australian media dominated by discussions arising from the Royal Commission into Aged Care, we'll also discuss how the aged care industry is changing and evolving to provide new levels of personalised quality care. Joining me for today's discussion, uh, Baptist Care Chief Executive Officer Russell Bricknell, Senior Occupational Therapist Jodie Taylor, and two wonderful residents from Baptist Care Yalambi in Mundaring, Elaine Angel and Chris Rotherham. Welcome everybody, good to have you with us. Russell, we'll start with you and your perspective on the aged care sector. Considering some of the stories, the negative stories that have come out of the Royal Commission into aged care, how can we trust that our elderly loved ones will be cared for with respect and dignity when the time comes to move into a residential aged care facility? And Graeme, it's been sad to hear some of the stories that have come forward and, and part of the problem is they're a very small proportion of what actually happens in aged care. So in terms of how can we trust, what I look for when I go into a service is the values, the way the staff engage with people, their openness and their commitment to the individual and, and that tells you that there's a heart of care in the place. You spend a lot of time, I know, going across the various residential care facilities in the state for Baptist care. You chat to residents and to families. What are the biggest fears that you hear? I suppose the biggest one is a loss. It's a loss of independence. It's a loss of contact with family and community. And it's a loss of an ability to do things that previously were easy to do. Are there other fears that come up as well as loss? Yeah, and isolation is probably a big one. Hmm. Uh, it's it, how do I fit into this big noisy place where before I was in a house? Do my family still want to talk to me? Do I still have a connection with the community? What do I do during the day? Hmm. Will I be cared for, is it? Yeah, and, and will the people understand me hmm. as a person rather than treat me as an, uh, a person they do things to. Which brings, brings to mind something I've heard you say in our conversations away from podcasts. You talk about person-centric care. What's that? So I suppose that's starting from the assumption that, that I'm caring for you as a person. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, I need to understand who you are and what your needs, wants, desires are, rather than I'm coming in to help you have a shower. Mm. Uh, and, and so it's it's a whole focus on you as an individual and how I help you through the day 
and how you get to make decisions and how you get to do things during the day and how I support you in that process. Jody, let me bring you in at this point. I want to come back to a, a wonderful sentence of yours about person-centric care a bit later on, but for now, dealing with this idea of the huge, the huge adjustment you have to make to go into residential aged care, how do you help people adjust? Well, one of the things we do is before someone comes into residential care, we have a lot of information that we like to collect and probably the most important piece of information that we collect is about that person. It's about their life, it's about their routines, it's about their preferences, their choices, how they like to spend their day. So we try and get that information before someone comes in. So even before they've entered the door of a facility, we know what their preferred name is because it's often not the name on their identification. We get to know about their life, about their achievements, about what what they're passionate about. And so that helps us to start to already connect with that person the minute they walk in the door. And then we move on from there to get to know them better. A lot of us will have in our minds what we imagine a residential care facility is like and based maybe on visiting loved ones there. Let's come to reality. What's, what is a typical day, if there's such a thing, in a residential aged care facility? I don't know that there's a typical day um, because it's what each individual wants to be able to do. So we're really there to find out that information and to be able to tailor and individualise the, the care um, that we provide. So for some people it might be that they like getting up late because they're night owls or they might like to get up really early. Um, it could be that some people like to have a shower at different times of the day. So it really varies. But I think one of the things that you will find is that people can be as involved or as not involved as they want to be. So we will really get to know what people like. If you're someone who lives at home on your own previously, it's unlikely that you're going to want to be surrounded by lots of people all day. So we have those quiet areas, the opportunities to have quiet time if that's what someone wants. We'll have pets coming in, we'll have music going on, we'll have as much or as little as you like. So a lot of what you're saying there is not just to do with physical health. No. So it's obviously important to maintain mental health as well. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's been well known that um, good mental health leads to healthy ageing and it's very important that we look at the whole person and all parts of that person and their mental health is incredibly important because it's what helps us to get up in the morning to feel good about ourselves and we, um, we spend a lot of time making sure and monitoring that people are okay and we have lots of ways to be able to do that. The paid professional is one perspective, uh, the satisfied customer is another one and I'm delighted to be joined by two people who are part of the Yalambi Residential Aged Care Group and the first is you, Elan, you get to go first here. Uh, you were living at home with your family I understand and then in October 2018 you moved into Yalambi in Mundaring. Um, tell us that what's yeah now what 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 uh, what made you feel it was the right time? My husband had a stroke. We lived at Walkaway, mm -hmm. which was up near Doralton. Yes, you were telling and me. My daughter and her husband are school teachers, and they down were down here at Battery Road Parkville. Her husband passed away. That's yep. why I came to live with my daughter. Okay. And her family, and they're down here, and they taught for many years up in the Kimberley, and that's where they are now. Now, you were living with your daughter, yes. what, but then you moved into Yalambi. What made that change? How did you know it was time to make that change? It was a necessity. And they have 
a grandson who I adore mm. and who I wanted to see more of. So I came to live with them. And I've been with them for quite a few years. And then they went up teaching mm-hmm. and they wanted to put their sights out and, you know, go around. Well, they've been everywhere. And so I... So when they moved away, you moved into residential well, I was care? up Battery Road with them for four years. Mm-hmm. And I fell and broke my hip twice. <laughs> okay, so you started having some falls. Yeah, and that was another thing. Okay. So, yes, I thought we had to wait. You see, you have to wait till someone passes away before you can get there. You put your name down and hope for the, be- hope for the best or look perhaps the worst. I don't know. But it was very, very lucky. That I'd just been in there a little while and this lady died. And I had this left and they said, they've got a lovely room here. So Nicole had it all, you know, all down and everything yep. and I'm so happy here it's just well, that, beautiful okay so now that, I mean a lot in your answer there Elaine that uh, your own health change in your family circumstances yeah, yes. you can't guarantee there'll be a place there's lots to there's a, that, that's very helpful how long did it take you to well, settle in at your land well I I couldn't believe it because they had things going for us and of course I was a great walker yeah. and they got a beautiful garden there and I walked every day there. What was the hardest thing to... What was the biggest change? Hardest thing... Mm, to get used to. Uh, the hardest thing, I think, was because I like my own privacy. Hmm. And they think that perhaps you'd like to get and mix. I did mix. And my daughter said, Mum, it's best if you mix. And, you know, not just lie and sit in your room all the time, which I don't. I never stop. <laughs> so privacy is very important. Very important to me. Yeah, you feel lovely, like you still have some. Room. You still have some privacy. Yes, but first room in our house, which is uh, lavender, just through the kitchen. My room's on the left, and it looks out into a garden. And I've got a beautiful window, but I never cur- close my curtains. They come in at night to. I said, leave the curtains open. I look out all the time. Well, you also, because you're a Geraldton girl, you talked about uh, crayfish. Yes. And then you told me that you get crayfish at your lambie. We get crayfish, we get prawns. So how important is food in the daily life? Very important. Too important. (laughs) (laughs) Too important. It's true, isn't it? A moment on your lips and a year on your hips. Oh, it's lovely. (laughs) (laughs) I played bingo. I'd never played bingo before in my life. And I said... I think that's a pub, pub, a game you play in pubs, isn't it? Yes, and well, well, we I tell you what. Every week. There you go. Do you win? Choirs come in. I've joined the. I mean, I used to be able to sing. I've got asthma now, but they have choir come in, so I've joined the choir, and it's just like actually you get worn out. Chris, we'll bring you in at this stage, <laughs> and uh, you. Uh, there was a, a something like Elaine's story, a fall, and some changes in your own health oh, with, okay. with the start of your journey to Yulambi. Yeah. Around the same time as Elaine, actually, About I that think. Same time, mm. actually, yeah, but you had another special that. reason for choosing it: your husband. Yes, he was there too. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. He was there as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but sadly he died soon after I moved in. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Which is unfortunate. But yeah. Yeah, but I, I love it. Love it there. It's Your family home was in Mundiri? Yes, it so, was. So how important was it to be able to move into a residential care facility that meant you could still link in with that community? Oh, yeah, very important. Mm. Yes, and we need to be where we've always been. Why is it so important? What, to be where you... Yeah, to be linked still into the community. Into the community. Mm. Yeah, we can still... 
Yeah, I do all sorts of things in the community because I sing in choirs and things like that. And I, and I just like being part of the community. But it means you can live in Yolambi but still connect into things outside Absolutely. that you've always been part yeah. of. Which mm. I reckon make it, the transition a lot better. Makes it a lot better, heaps better, yeah. Now, Definitely. it's interesting we're talking about activities because I understand you really enjoy the activities on offer at Yolambi. Definitely. What sort of things do you do? Well, anything that's going on, I'm in the middle of. Okay, like, give us some examples. <laughs> what sort of things are going on? Oh, there's always somebody. It's always somebody visiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, people coming in and uh, that I don't. And I learn about them and what they do. You into the music stuff? Where yeah, Elaine the mentioned music. the choirs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bingo? Do you play bingo? Yeah, I play bingo. Do you win? Oh, yes. Occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they perform a lot. <laughs> now, that, uh, I, I understand, and this is a very important thing often for families, giving up driving, not being able to drive your car was hard. Um, but I imagine these activities help with that. Yes, I've got used to that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Have the yeah. activities that I... go on at Yolambi helped? Definitely. In yeah, what way? Yeah, how, did, how were they well, helpful? I don't need to drive like I did. And I used to love driving and going out and about and that sort of thing. And it would have been difficult at first. Oh, very difficult, yeah, absolutely. But I imagine mm-hmm. if it had happened and you were at home on your own, it would have been far worse. Oh, yeah, very, very terrible. It would have been very lonely. Yeah, yeah. And one other thing before we move on, that we hear a lot about physical support, obviously, because as your body gets older, like what do I say? If it doesn't hurt, it doesn't work. But and, and you get help with that. But in terms of your how you feel, your emotionally and mentally, how does Yolambi help you in that way? It helps me because there's always somebody else that I can talk to. Mm. If I've got a problem, there's always somebody I can talk to. And it sounds like it's somebody who cares. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Jody, this brings me to that phrase that you use. Thank you, by the way. You've done extremely well, Elaine and Chris. This is a very different environment, I know, to be dropped into, and you've given us a wonderful insight into what life is like day-to-day at Yolambi. But, Jody, the phrase that jumped out at me when I was getting ready for today was, this is a quote of yours, you do not live in our workplace, we work in your home. Tell us about that. I think it's really important that all of us um, that work within our residential care sites realise that we have the privilege of working in someone's home and the door to their room is like the front door to their house. We knock on it, we ask to be invited in um, and it's just a different way of thinking. It's, it's not really our work, it is our workplace but more importantly it's someone's home and I think if we think about it like that we're really thinking about the person first and foremost in the middle of everything that we do. Yeah, I actually, someone actually gave me that quote and Mm. it just really resonated with me. So I put it up in my workplace and then it just kind of expanded from there. Mm. It's it's Copernican shift, isn't it, really, to say, because I think when most people think residential aged care, the first word to come into their head is not home, Mm. which is, and you're, you're working to change that? Absolutely, because it is their home and... We don't want people to think that they're coming into residential care and they have to live by our rules. That's not how it works. We're actually there to have it individualised for them. So it's really about getting to know the person and getting to know what's important to them and what matters and then actually um, putting that into practice. 
Okay, Russell, back to you. You're a CEO, so you do strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. You have that for breakfast. Uh, let's take two of those. For the aged care sector now, what are the biggest challenges? What are the greatest opportunities? I think one of the big challenges for us as a society is the number of people coming into residential aged care over the next 10 to 15 years is going to increase dramatically. So how do we respond to that growing need? And how do we do it in a way that values the individual and helps the individual not just adjust, but have a choice and control over what happens to them every day? And these massive changes, and they have been in the sector, what opportunities do they throw up? Uh, For us, it means we can be more creative in how we deliver care. For us, it means that the the journey a person takes with us might start before they come into residential care and the ability to build relationship with people way before that happens so that when it comes it's not as frightening or it's not as 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 nerve-wracking okay i've got a special question for each of you lovely ladies that are our special guests today to as we come towards the end elaine for you first if people are listening to our podcast and thinking about moving as you had to think about moving into an aged care residential facility. I I lived with my daughter for seven years. That's it. Well then what is, um, what's one thing you wish someone had told you before you moved in, when you were thinking about it? What one thing would have helped you do you think? When I came there I couldn't believe it. I thought I'd come into a hotel by mistake. It was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So really your message would be go and check it out. Don't, don't, because it may well be very different to what you think. Now, Chris, I want to turn you into, I don't know if you've ever seen Mythbusters on television, but it doesn't matter. We want to turn you into a Mythbuster. Um, if you can think about what, what you hear about nursing homes or what you thought, in inverted commas, nursing homes might be like, what's the biggest myth that you could bust for people today? Bringing better with her. You're not sort of out and about and, you know what I mean? So people think in a nursing home, you're just in a bed, in a bed. and uh, getting bed sores and waiting yeah, for, yeah, well, waiting for God. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and you have discovered that what actually happens... Quite opposite. Absolutely opposite. Always, always something to do. Chris and Elaine, thanks so much for sharing your stories. And it's, it's been amazing to get first-hand experience of what it's really like in residential care. And I think one thing that stood out for me from hearing what you've said is that even though there are inevitable losses combined with the wrench of moving, there's a huge amount of gain to be had when you make the transition. Thanks also to Russell Bricknell and Jodie Taylor for their insights into the secret life of residential aged care. And if you're interested in anything we've covered in today's episode, don't forget to check out the show notes or drop us a line at podcast at baptistcare.com.au. That's podcast at baptistcare.com.au. And if you're enjoying our conversations about the ageing journey and you could think of others who could benefit from them, then if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, it really encourages others to tune in. So we'd love you to do that. I'm Graham Mabry, and you've been listening to Demystifying Aged Care. Demystifying Aged Care is proudly brought to you by Baptist Care.